0: Fox traffic over there. There <laughs> we since, go. Since this is.
1: Welcome to Off the Crossbar. There you it's, go. Uh, it's nice. episode 47, <laughs> and we're uh, we're not alone today. We're usually we're not alone. alone any day, but. We're uh, we're joined by one Cray Fitzgerald, who you may know from uh, several podcasts, which are all very good, or you may know from his time in Austria at. Could you, how do you pronounce that name again? Tingsau.
2: FC Pinsgau Salfelden, Salfelden.
1: Or you might know him uh, as the former RSL VP of Communications, or or you an might MLS know him original from- or-
0: fighting me on twitter like 10 years ago
1: <laughs> anyway we're uh, lucky banter. to be joined by trey that's right <laughs> thanks for
2: having me guys i appreciate uh, the invite no problem at all we're
0: very stoked to have you on i, I was telling trey before we started recording that it had been just like since i mean i'm not seeing you in person right now but we had lunch uh, at like somewhere i think we we're at galvin somewhere and i had that that was the last time i think i saw you in person right before you went to austria which was years ago at this point and i kind of feel like the last year doesn't count but even before the last year it was like another year at least on top of that so yeah i feel like it's been a while
2: the divide, yeah two and a half years is uh when the the guy who shall go unnamed and I decided we could no longer coexist. so
0: I, That was like right around that time, actually. I think you were like yeah. in desperate need of like a lunch where you could just like talk about some stuff. And so I think that's what happened that day. Um, yeah. I think it was right around the time you left the club, which, yeah, yeah, was a tough time. I Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think any of us saw what was going to end up happening. I don't think any of us saw that coming in the way that it did but um that was really i mean i talked about it with Jake at the time but that was not a good sign for <laughs> for all of us who cared about the club <laughs> so well, i'm glad that. i know you're not back yet and hopefully there is a yet but like um i'm glad we're through that chapter because that was less than ideal shall we say but matt do you want to kick yeah. us off with a little bit of social hour
1: yeah let's uh so try Social Hour if you, I'm going to assume you've never listened to the podcast because I assume nobody <laughs> listens to it. That's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: Trevor's, hour, Trevor's daughter like listens, and this is her favorite part. She doesn't like when we talk soccer. so.
1: And we have Trevor to make recently this, started yeah. petitioning to shorten social yeah. hour, I think because he doesn't want his daughter to listen quite as much. so, too. No, it's <laughs> yeah. because
3: we recorded an episode last week that was one hour and 53 minutes long. Okay, that was an anomaly. Most of that was Kyle either talking about something during social hour or it was Kyle talking about Albert Rusnack. That That's
0: probably, yeah. That's, I think... That's Most right. of
3: it was social hour. Social hour was born out of like us not having soccer to talk about. And I feel like now that we have soccer to talk about. Yeah. I'm not trade. saying can social
2: oh, hour. I'm just saying like right. we could talk about rain snack's dog and that's right. We maybe could. his his Audi. Like, didn't he have a sweet Audi that, uh, Maybe that's it, not his, but I remember a, there was something about him going up to Sundance a few years ago.
0: Oh, that's right. He did a. I think he did like a a sponsored, like an MLS. Like he was like yeah. did some influencer work for Audi and MLS right. up at Sundance. His personal car is that gigantic G wagon. That's like oh,
1: I've seen just, that in the
2: parking lot. <laughs> it's, it's it's
0: hideous. It's I don't know if it's still bright yellow. Is it yellow? He put a wrap yeah, on it.
3: Yeah, last I saw yeah. it, it was white. I thought. Yeah,
0: it was white. About I think when like I saw it. graphic, <sighs> <sighs> bro. Yeah, it makes tough. me wonder
2: if it if it might be Euro's old uh, G wagon. You know
0: what's funny about that? So right before Euro left, or it, was, it was pretty pretty. Yeah, it was like toward the end end of his time there. I was at that gas station that Sinclair on State Street by Costco and it was like it was really late on like a weekend I don't know what I was doing and it was I pulled up to get gas and then Yura pulled up in that g-wagon right next to me he got out of his car and I was just sitting there at my car and like we looked at each other because we were the only people there I was just like I just like put my hands up and wait. I was like hey he's like hello and then just like walked inside and I was like that was Weird. <laughs> so that was the last I time know. I saw your mom's I don't, I don't miss remember. Yeah,
1: you remember what type of gas he got
0: in that type of thing. It was premium for sure. I don't think you can okay. put anything less than premium in a G wagon. Is my mm, is my assumption.
1: I had a mini and I had to put premium in it and. Really? It did- it didn't drive any better i mean maybe it did It <laughs> was yeah. an expensive car to drive and fix
0: yeah if this were i mean social hour was born in the pandemic when we continued to record this podcast despite having nothing to talk about for <laughs> a long time um but yes we could we could do a lot of work on uh inst- on albert's instagram his i don't know if he got married his fiance's instagram as well um Cute, cute family. Uh, but yeah, normally when we talk about Albert Rusnack, it's generally about soccer stuff, but not favorable. (laughs) (laughs) Trey, how have you been, man? What's what's going on? What's new? I've been
2: good. I'm glad to be back in Utah. I'm glad to, uh, I don't know, just it feels like home, you know. I, uh, I had never been here before I moved here in October of 2004, and um. You know, I'd grown up in Albuquerque. I went school in Denver, so you know the mountains, the Southwest, all that very familiar. But uh, yeah, after a couple years in Austria and hanging out with Pablo Ruiz and Andrew Brody over there, to come back here now and see them having fun, and you know we've uh, we've got a lot of fans of the Austrian club that are that are based in Utah for various reasons, and. Um, it's just good to be good to be back and it's good to be kind of on the verge, I think, of kind of emerging from all the pandemic. And it's a good weather. Be still been pretty right crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I would think uh, I remember May being maybe a little more predictable. I don't know why <laughs> I feel that way. But the last <laughs> week has been nuts with the cold and the wind and the heat and everything else. But yep. uh, no, it's good to be back. It's good. Like you guys say that we've got soccer games to talk about. Um I know we we'll get into a, a lot of the hat. soccer talk. Could, I am
0: we could talk I'm a Nuggets about, I mean,
2: fan, but I that's what I was gonna say. But I am uh I love to watch the Jazz play. I love uh I love Rudy and Conley and, and Clarkson and obviously uh Donovan. So Yeah, I don't uh, feel If, if the I, Nuggets never go never really down, felt, I'll be I'll be yeah. a big jazz cheerleader.
0: I've never felt like a strong
2: rivalry between the
0: Jazz or the Nuggets for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's just because the nba has such a strong east coast west coast bias that like i've never really felt like i mean like mls for example does a lot to push these like type of rivalries but nba has never said anything about like a rivalry between utah and denver or like anyone else really so like the rivalries in the nba that i've that i've grown uh Fond of I guess I haven't really Felt that with Denver and I'm such a I, I like Denver a lot and Jokic is like One of my favorite players to watch that Like ever and he's incredible
2: Yeah he's like a modern day Larry Bird It's crazy well, he, watching him do He grew do up things. playing water polo
0: so that's why he has Like such yeah. weird like strength above <laughs> His head is that he's used to like Being in water it's so Strange he's, so, he's a water polo playing Basketball
2: player it's great Well and every time he does one of those uh, You know full court Kind of football throws down to the other end. I love
0: it so much.
2: Uh, all the uh, Broncos fans in my Nuggets timeline insist that he's he's the best quarterback in Denver. So, um, and, and Javale McGee did the same thing the other night, and they said he's the second best quarterback in Denver. So, yeah, it's uh, it's rough times there for the Broncos fans, but I think the Jazz fans. Probably don't have uh, any room left in their heart to hate anybody else besides the Lakers. So uh, I think the Nuggets, the Nuggets might get a little bit of a free pass.
1: I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> well,
0: I'm glad you're uh, back in Utah, Matt and Trevor. Do you guys want to give us a quick social hour update?
1: I've been planting my garden, and that sounds lovely. I did buy some more peppers today. I realized I didn't have any ghost peppers. I've got dragon's that's a, breath. It's unacceptable. And I've got like plenty of habaneros, but. How about some serranos, Matt. I don't have any serranos. Actually, I'll have oh, to you some get some, some serranos. serranos.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll fund your serrano garden because uh, they just have the right amount of heat to mix into everything. Dude,
1: they're Do delicious. Any, and
2: I can trade you some, or
1: okay. give you some serranos <laughs> or something.
3: What about some uh, hatch green chilies?
1: Do you have any of those? No, I'm starting oh, to realize I, this man needs I need a bigger like, garden. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm on the rooftop phase of the. So, we've got like a detached garage. Yes. That's at like street level, and we're a little above street level. So, a bunch of peppers are now going on there in pots. Mm. So, we've officially go breached back onto the start. garage. That sounds fantastic. We've got a soaker. Hose. Pretty cool. So,
3: things are good over here. Wow, that's nice. Trevor, what's going on with you, man? Um, Not much. I uh, did go to a bees game today for the first time this year. That's um, nice. Lovely. <laughs> Love these games. Um, yeah, that's that's, that's great. pretty much it. We uh-huh. are also pretending to start a garden, but we're nowhere near on Matt's level here. Uh, my daughter, we went to the store and we passed one of the like, uh, I don't know what they're called, the big things with all the seeds in them plants. <laughs> no, it's like it's in the floral section, but it's a big like display just, that just has all the seeds and my daughter got really excited and now she wants to plant a whole bunch of different pollinating flowers, so we bought a couple more seeds of different flowers and she's going to take them home and plant them at her mom's house. She got permission from her landlord to like rip up an entire section of the yard that's by the driveway, just like and a little strip some, for some garden stuff. Yeah, and they're just going to plant a whole bunch wow. of flowers like next to their driveway. That's nice. So, they're going to have some I fun with that. that.
0: That's super nice. My, my update I was going to say is I got invited to play indoor soccer this evening and the game started or I guess is going to start at 11:35
3: <laughs> p.m. on a Monday. I was like, yeah, yep. what what is that? Why? Trevor, why is that a thing? It's because adults that want to play indoor soccer can only play it from like 7 p.m. <laughs> on or 6 p.m. on 11, and I if mean, the games are 45 minutes long, then like you can only do like seven games a night. I guess. So if you're going to make money, you have to make people play at 1130. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, suffice to say is that I didn't commit to it. And by the time I was like, "Mm, I might be able to make it work, potentially, uh, they had found someone else. So I'm kind of relieved because (laughs) I, I miss I mean, not that I want to get another blue card like last time, but I, you know, I was ready to redeem myself to the team. I felt bad that I got a blue card last time because I was with this team of people who I didn't know most of them, and then I got a blue card, and it was like a whole thing, and I was kind of embarrassed, but, you know, it is what it is. And other than that, I... uh have, uh, let's see, I think that's it. I think that's that's the only thing that's new. Other than, I mean, talking about the game on Saturday, got to see you, both of you guys, in person together for the first time since um, the day Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus, I believe. So (laughs) that was the first time I'd seen these two guys in the same place uh, since
3: then, which is uh, quite the feat. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize when you posted that picture with us and Lucas, that that the last time we were together was when we had that meeting at the stadium. With Andy Andy Carroll.
0: Like like literally (laughs) days before the the Deloitte thing, Andy Carroll scheduled a meeting with like the RSL soapbox folks, riders and us. Um, and another day with the RSL show guys, just to like, um, for us to air our grievances, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what the pretext of the meeting was at this point. It was, was really weird.
1: He was angry that we were disapproving of putting people back in the stadium in July... Mm. last year when you know things were a little more touch and go and we were and we were upset about how they handled
0: some of the furloughs like um, the communication that went out and like where they were uh, yeah they were like we had friends that worked for the club at the time who were like who you know were finding out that they were getting laid off from other people before the club Mm -hmm. told them and then they're like we're not doing layoffs or furloughs and then they did it was just a bit of a mess told them about that Trevor told him about how RSL games weren't on YouTube TV, which did get changed. And then Tyler Gibbons told me to not give Andy credit for that. So credit to Tyler Gibbons for that, I think. Um, and yeah, so that was an interesting day to have a few days before the next thing that transpired.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was like Thursday and then the game was on Saturday and then he went on the radio on like Monday morning or whatever it was. Yeah. So that was that timeline. Anyway, yeah, no, that was the last time that all four of us were together. Oh, um, yeah, which
0: I guess was after we recorded. So, yeah, yeah, that was the second to last time.
2: So It's been an, uh, an eventful uh, timeline <laughs> since uh, in between <laughs> yeah. those uh, face-to-face, in-person uh, opportunities, I guess. I guess yeah. so. Yeah.
1: All I right, guess so we move so. on to news. Let's do it. So news? just one news item today. Uh, Trevor, you probably don't know this because you were watching baseball. That's not true.
3: I get push notifications from The Athletic, so I'm completely filled in. (laughs) Nice. Um,
1: And we'd normally talk about this, of course, but uh, we're lucky enough to have the the Trey Fitzgerald Brain Trust on. Uh, He probably knows more about braiding in MLS uh, than any living person, or at least it's competitive. Uh, That's right. And the news is, of course, that Columbus Crew is now Columbus Crew. And not Columbus SC and Trey. I just want to, I just want to get your take on this on the whole saga, please. Yeah, I mean,
2: it, it's my take is probably much like yours and very predictable. Like uh, um, the look, the Haslums and Dr. Pete Edwards deserve nothing but credit and applause for everything they did to keep the team there, um, coming out of the pre-court mess right yeah. um
0: and for some background uh, there pre-court was threatening to move columbus to austin and there was this whole like grassroots movement to save the right. crew in which was successful and the crew were kept there
2: and and so much of that grassroots movement was led by the community the fans um specifically the nordic which is am I pronouncing that right? I never I think know so. if, if the e on the end is uh, audible or silent. Nordeka, but okay, okay, Nordeka. There you go. That's the yeah. probably the right uh, Central Ohio German pronunciation. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the Nordeka have been involved, and they as they should have been because I think they they deserve credit for the grassroots effort that attracted the Haslams who own the Cleveland Browns. And then, uh, Dr. Pete Edwards has been with the club since Dunny played there. Uh, so since day one, basically. Wow. So, um, what I didn't understand about this whole saga and, you know, I read Sam's day school and the athletic and, and those guys, and I've had the fortune to actually talk to Sam a little bit over the, you know, the last 10 days or whatever this has been going on. But, um, I just don't understand why rebrand now, because they won a cup last year. They're opening uh, what looks to be a spectacular stadium here in another month or so. And it's just it just seems so unnecessary. And I guess the kind of conventional thinking was that the Haslams wanted to put, uh, put their own stamp on the name of the club and really make it theirs as opposed to. Inheriting what Lamar Hunt and his family started, and and what Pre Court, because um, they just did a big rebrand five years ago. Um, yeah, a pretty decent I don't, one. I don't love their badge, but it is unique and different. It's circular. It's got some elements. I think of you know the either the city of Columbus flag or the Ohio. It's got the black and gold checkerboard, which is you know was a fan theme that has yeah. been incorporated into the club so these are all i think fantastic elements that yeah are really what create the fabric of a club it's like with us you know i, I a lot of people have opinions about the believe anthem and when it's used and how it's used and and in in some of the either brandon's monetization opportunities or how the club is merchandised that anthem but i'm proud of it because it's unique and it's different and it's not a chant that 27 other teams use that's based off of you'll never walk alone or some (laughs) other British derivation. Right. So, um, those are the kinds of things we're proud of and, you know, new traditions start every time or, you know, as a, as a club grows. Right. So, um, I just thought the crew one picked kind of the wrong time for this battle and, or I should say the, the Columbus ownership and yeah. then to to mishandle it in such a way that the fans apparently they did participate in focus groups and surveys, and it sounds like there was a lot of there were a lot of things that were handled properly, but then some of the real basic um, tent poles or whatever of the identity that the fans asked that the club respect and honor and uphold were just completely ignored. And that is, you know, how do you send out a press release where it says um, the crew is no longer part of the official name, but will still be known as the crew? Like, I kind of think that's how it boiled down. Um, anyway, after 10 days of all this, the, the Nordeka and the club sent out a joint press release tonight saying that the official name the club is is back again to Columbus Crew. There's no more SC. They're gonna replace the little Dorito chip thing and the new logo <laughs> with a '96 in there. And you know, I would imagine that some of the other branding elements and other things would be um, would be you know will evolve and certain things will be reinstated. But you know, for the last ten days, there's just been a lot of saber rattling from. Uh, I think a lot of fans that felt betrayed, right? They felt like, hey, we saved the club and we're not going to buy tickets and we're not going to buy merchandise if you guys dig your heels in. And, you know, look, Tim Bezbachenko is a really smart guy. And that's kind of where I landed on some of this is um, there's some really bright people in that organization and I just don't understand how they could be so – I guess ignorant or tone deaf or just miss the miss the mark. I I saw somewhere Jeff Carlisle, I think tweeted that Bezbachenko had told in one of the meetings with the fans, you know, maybe we lose, you you know, 8,000 people here, but we gain 15,000 people over here. Like one that is a very uncharacteristic statement based on my, Paz crossing with bezbachenko so i was shocked yeah. but it's also just a do
1: i
0: say yeah this? i mean like their goal Very Andy and they
2: carol attitude and that's it not is what like wants. trying to make
0: it a quote global brand or whatever when i mean when like we all think that what makes a lot of these clubs so special to so many people is it's local, the grasp it has on the locals. So it's like that needs to be the priority before you're doing anything to try to make a a global brand and what makes things global brands isn't some sort of like branding scheme to try to make it, you know, more universally digestible, like taking the name crew, having the name Columbus Crew is, in my opinion, way cooler than columbus sc we've yeah. we we have more and more teams moving to just sc fc cf or whatever and it's boring right and meanwhile you've got like usl teams that are just named like just random stuff and we love it I a lot think of united's
2: out there <laughs> yeah yeah a lot <laughs> of united's
0: as well and it's just like yeah for them to to do that it's like two games into the season or whatever it was to make that announcement that they were going to be changing everything
2: well and and um, they're doing so many other things right that's why i just right. feel like I this mean, is a self-inflicted wound. The, yeah yeah, they they won the cup. They're moving into this beautiful 20,000-seat stadium. Like just I I don't know. To me it's not rocket science. It's not hard like make your fans feel included, allow them and their passion to be ambassadors for your club to attract new fans. And I mean, I think if we learned anything from the Super League fiasco is you got to you got to you gotta connect with your your backyard before you can go out and be a global brand, and that takes generations, and that takes authenticity. Winning helps, and uh, anyway, yeah, and it's a lot of like feeling. Uh, it comes across as
0: feeling like you're entitled to like that global brand, or entitled to be one of the big clubs, or whatever, entitled to have this reach when it's like you're skipping a lot of steps, um, right. in in the process and for columbus to do that it's i mean certainly skipping a lot of steps especially with all these new good things on the precipice to make so many like diehard supporters feel that way about your club is a very inopportune time to try to do something like that it yeah it
2: and it it showed how raw the emotions still are from from effectively saving the club what yeah. was that three years ago was it 18 17 I can't remember
0: it was but. it would have been two years before Austin was announced I think or a year I mm-hmm. yeah I, I can't remember when that was um but yeah for all by all accounts this new ownership group had been doing a lot of things right and then to do something yeah. like that and to be unaware that that was gonna have the uh, impact it did seems very I mean these people get out of touch real quick and Mm -hmm. i think the super league was a good example of how out of touch these people can be sometimes Mm -hmm. um and a lot that was a good reminder for them. And hopefully this is a good reminder for <laughs> this ownership group and others. And I it's hard not to think about like the implications that it could that it could have potentially had on a new ownership group moving into Real Salt Lake. Matt recommended that the only name change that he would be acceptable of is Ryan Salt Lake. We get to keep <laughs> the uh, keep the crest, gotta keep keep the initialisms, but um, potentially trying to draw in a specific person to to buy the club might be I, might I, be acceptable.
2: I tweeted. I don't know how well it was received. Um, you know, uh, somebody local media member tweeted about a rebrand for RSL, and my response was that I, I thought the Utah Jazz or the LA Lakers would change their name before Real Salt Lake did. So, uh, two basketball teams that moved to their current locations from from places where those geographic nicknames made sense but making sense no more um and I, i don't know i'm i know there are people that don't like the uh the real madrid connection they don't like the real aspect of our name they prefer rsl but i've i mean i've grown to love it because of what's happened, the 17 years of the club has been around. Um, I've grown. I, I thought it was extremely intelligent the way Dave Checkets um, looked at something that he knew would be authentically soccer and very unique, even though it, it might feel um, uh, incongruous, I guess, is the probably the right word. Um But he really felt like even something as simple as the friction of how to pronounce real versus real (laughs) would help accelerate the education around the dinner table for families of multi-generations here in Utah about professional soccer arriving. So, um, you know, we've all kind of lived through those battles and now I, I just can't even bear to think of what another name would be for our club.
1: Yeah, I've got one other idea that I'm this uh, week, and it's Utah Jazz FC uh, Ryan right. Smith also like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah, we talked about Real
3: like, approach, right? Yeah, we talked about like the co-branding. If Ryan Smith owns <laughs> both, like why not Just make right. them the same thing? <laughs> i yeah. It
0: I I think I would probably at one point I was like probably on board with a potential name change, but I mean, look at that crest on Matt's shirt. It's a beautiful crest. I think it looks yeah we now it's being blocked by the microphone but thank you for, for <laughs> it was fine before um yeah I mean I I certainly don't want that it, it's always it's I don't even think w- w- somebody who brought that up on Twitter like you mentioned I don't think it was a local media person it's it seems like it's always like media people from other markets that are saying we're also should change their name it's like no <laughs>
2: like we're all fine here with it that's
0: that's cool
2: well, there was a there was a local guy that said, "Hey, what do you guys think about a rebrand?" And but you're right, oh, the venom right. and the vitriol towards the name is the national or comes yeah. from usually outside the uh, the market, and then uh, you know people people used to always just kind of tweet randomly at us like, "Where where this name can't come from?" There's no <laughs> there's no monarchy in Utah, and I would always tweet back a picture of Kyle Beckerman and say, you know, the King of Utah gave us this name. Right. And, uh, just to be snarky as I used wow, to that have you, fun you being on from Twitter. behind the, uh, RSL Twitter account at a
0: certain point being snarky.
2: Un- yeah. Unheard of. It was, yeah. It was ultimately my undoing. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> those were the days, those were the days when you could actually kind of have some back and forth and some conversations on Twitter before it became, uh, I still t- like to try, but it, it can be, uh treacherous you guys water know, sometimes. toxic hot takes and and, and little else. So. But still better than Facebook comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard I, to I'm
0: that. I'm glad I don't man. even look at those. I think Matt has to for Soapbox sometimes. No, I, but I got rid of Facebook a long time ago. It's, it's a tough place it's out there. I, I see yeah. the stuff that like... Jake gets on like yeah. the RSL show page or in one of those Facebook groups like Salt Like Till I Die or one of those other ones it gets messy right? and yeah. <laughs> not a fan yeah absolutely not a fan
1: all right should we should, move on to talking about the match is that where you're going to well, say let's Kyle? do it
0: yeah let's let's go
1: so very quick recap we played 90 minutes of soccer no goals were <laughs> <Yeah>. scored um <laughs> <laughs> there, there are probably it. four distinct different opinions here right now about how that match went um so let's go from from worst to probably best and i i'm gonna guess on these kyle how do you think the match went do you think I, I have the worst opinion of it uh it's either you or trevor
3: no he thinks think that tr- you think the game was the worst not that your yeah. opinion is the worst oh yeah oh sorry. no sorry i mean the most <laughs> negative opinion on the yeah. match yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think i, have,
0: That's I, my I think guess. trevor might i think trevor might be I just had such a fun time on Saturday that like Sorry. I'm ha- that's kind of clouding my judgment a bit potentially. I don't know. I'm just like I had a great time seeing all my friends and hanging out. I was taking some pictures, I was wandering around. It was great seeing just like people and stuff and the it was a beautiful night. Like the weather was incredible. I was just like admiring how nice it was. And so I was having a good time. I thought the match was incredibly boring. Um I felt like it felt like the the spell we had at, uh, when we played Kansas city before they scored on us, where we just had a lot mm-hmm. of passing around the back. I was pleasantly surprised by um, Eric Holt. Uh, he he did better than I would have expected. I've been pretty critical of him. So I thought he had a fine game. I did think that they probably had the better of the chances that match, unfortunately forced some saves out of David Ochoa. And I can't, Say that we did the same out of their keeper, which whoever that was. Um, So yeah, I mean,
1: was it Willis?
3: It's angry Joe Willis. Yeah,
0: Joe Willis. (laughs) Yeah, I I saw. I saw that tweet. I, I don't know who it was. Somebody tweeted that. I think it was someone in the South end had been like heckling him all game that at halftime he came over (laughs) and told him that he was like the worst person he had ever, (laughs) (laughs) that he was a terrible person and then walked into the locker room or something, which is really funny. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it just was a game. I I don't know how much to really take from it because I, I think that we might have a slight problem breaking down defenses that are very bunkery. I worry about that. And I'm also hypersensitive to that because Liverpool has the same problem. And I I don't think you can rely on your goalkeeper to school, score a 95th-minute game winner against a relegation side. But, like, <laughs> I, I, it's hard to watch teams that have... A, that I think RSL is very dangerous on a counterattack, like we saw against Minnesota. And we didn't get a single chance to counterattack because of how defensive Nashville was. So, I slightly worry about that. But also... We have Bobby Wood coming in. So, like, I don't know how much to really take from it. But Trevor, I think you're next on the second to most <laughs> negative opinion.
1: Yeah, I might have got this wrong. Sorry. Yeah, yeah it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, um,
3: it's definitely one of the games that, like, every year, especially early in the season, there's a lot of games that I don't think you can really take much from. You can't really learn much about a team. From and I just think that this was one of those games. Uh, I don't think the team is as bad as they were uh, against Nashville. I don't think there was, besides maybe besides Eric Colt and besides David Ochoa, there there was really nobody that impressed in like any meaningful way. Uh, there was a lot of players that. <laughs> I feel bad saying they went through the motions because I know it's more than that. But there's a lot of players that delivered exactly the performance that you would expect. They didn't really do anything wrong, but they didn't really do anything great either. And I think a lot of that might have been to the formation that was put out and the roles that they were asked to do. Um, But there really just wasn't much of anything worth anything that happened. The only kind of attacking anything that we seem to have was um like diagonal long balls or the occasional kind of half counter um, brody looked
0: pretty good a few times with the brody ball, looked pretty good a few times is really like i when he's running at at defenders like he's a very dynamic attacking player that like i know i know, we we all know aaron herrera is a good attacker for a right back but like andrew brody is like an attacker attacker with the ball yeah. in a way that Aaron isn't.
1: So let's step out of the game here. I'm really curious from Trey's perspective, as somebody who watched Andrew Brody for probably, what, eight years from the Academy up? Like, yeah. When did you know that he would be a good fit at the MLS level? Um, uh,
2: probably not until this year. Um. I mean, I like you said. I have been able to see him evolve from the academy to Louisville to the Monarchs. Obviously, he was a really good player for the Monarchs um, that year that they won the uh, Shield, and then uh, or is that what they call in the USL? I, I'm sorry, I just I think so. the, the regular the USL Championship champion. championship, yeah. championship. You mean? Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, and then 18 as well. Um, you know, he and he and Pablo were over in Austria uh, when I was there with Christian Ziege and Brody basically played um, <clears throat> kind of a, a wing back in a th- I guess what could really be called a three five two, at least on the attacking end. And, and, you know, you had Josh Hurd on the left, you had Andrew Brody on the right, and those guys just ran literally end to end for 90 minutes and they they combined with every you know the three center backs the you know Pablo and the others in the midfield and then the guys up top and and honestly most of the people in Austria believe that Andrew Brody was the best player in the entire Austrian third division that year better than Pablo um, you know, better than some of the other, you know, I think there was a player on one of the Salzburg clubs that scored 19 goals or something like that. So, um, you know, they're, they're desperate for Salt Lake or any MLS team or USL team to send some more players over there. Cause they, they're seeing the success that, that Pablo and Andrew are having. So um, yeah, Brody can run all day. He's got a, he's got an engine that doesn't quit and, um, it's just great seeing how confident he's been and for him to kind of get thrown in against, it was against Kansas city, right? Where Herrera yep. came out, we we're down yeah, on nothing. He, he comes in game, 30 minutes in, and basically his first touch puts it on Demir's head and then just provided so much pressure the rest of the game. And, you know, I, I thought he had another excellent game against, um, excuse me, against Nashville the other night. I do think part of the frustration, you know, Nashville, Gary Smith, their intention is to come in and kill the game and make it boring. It's Um, very,
0: very effective.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately. And like, I don't know, man, like Tom Hackett tweeted something a few weeks ago about RSL being a counter, a counterattacking team. And I guess we have seen that with, with Julio and, and, and some others, but I guess it, and maybe this is how I like to watch soccer. Or this is me being romantic about the glory days of RSL. Is I like the possession, and I guess there were times on Saturday where it did feel like Glad and Holt were just kind of kicking the ball back to each other. But <laughs> I, I don't Didn't know. Just feel I, like it, but you yeah. kind of have to probe. And I mean, yeah. I remember we would get really frustrated back in the days with you know, with Javi and Ned and Will in the midfield, Andy, um, that we just couldn't break down. So, you know, if if a team had 11 people in the box, like it's just you got to start pulling the trigger from distance and you got, you know, hopefully you have somebody with a moment of individual brilliance that can kind of break that stuff down. And I think we saw Rubin's moment of individual brilliance pretty early in that game when he did that cool little hop, skipping a nutmeg yeah on on somebody south end yeah Uh, yeah um but i don't know and maybe maybe i'm like you kyle where i was just so happy to be in the stadium it was a beautiful night and it it felt like things were getting back to normal where i was i and look i'm i'm guilty of looking at the world through claret and cobalt colored glasses so (laughs) um but you know I, I was very encouraged by Achoa. He obviously gets his first shutout. Um, Made some good I was too. I was critical on him for, you know, Matt Doyle from MLS has been extremely critical of him having like potentially very dangerous bobbles, and I think he had like three or four in this game. So that scares me a little bit. But then you remind yourself he's 19. He's eligible for the next Olympic cycle. Um, How he's, I think, bounced back from the blunder against Honduras is is phenomenal. Um, I love his attitude, and I think we need more of that. You know, I think the league needs more villains, and not saying he's a villain, but he's not afraid to you know talk a little smack and and especially after
0: we lost Kyle, we don't have we don't (laughs) have a guy on the roster like that really.
2: Um, I thought Brody was great. I, I'll tell you guys, I don't know what you think. Cause again, I, I didn't see much of the 2019 season. Uh, most of the season that I saw last year for RSL was, was after, um, you know, when they went two eight and three or whatever yeah. their record was after kind of the late August, um, debacle or whatever you want to call it. So, I thought Donny Toya and Justin Miram's last two games have probably been their best two games in an RSL uniform.
0: Miram has looked way better this year than he did last year. That's for sure.
2: Um, I do feel like you know I always expect more out of Pablo and Demir. I thought both of them were pretty muted in this game, but I did think Pablo was trying. trying some different passes that we're not used to seeing from that position where he's trying to break through the lines. Glad's been very good at that. I think all season is just not um, – maybe he wasn't as risky in this game and maybe that's a, I don't know, a reaction to kind of the breakdowns in the last seven minutes against against Wando for the for the Fair central enough. defense. Yeah. I did – I do agree Holt, you know – I see. I see everybody's trepidation and fear when Le Holt's name is in the lineup, and I think he's still under what eight starts in MLS, yeah, for this club. But I thought he I was so. really good, and it, it did take him maybe a minute to settle into the game. But um, unfortunately, that's the only thing consistent about young players is their inconsistency,
1: yeah. but
0: yeah. So um, we, we released our soapbox breakfast episode on game day on Saturday. Uh, we, yeah. I, I talked a bit about what, um, you know, what we were maybe going to expect to see. We had players listed as questionable. We didn't see Aaron Herrera, Marcela Silva, um, but Anderson Julio did play. Yeah. Uh, but also notably um, we did see Albert Rusnak, at the central attacking mid position we mm. saw Justin Miram on the field as well who is probably playing with some fire under him because we have Bobby Wood coming in so it's likely going to cost Miram his starting spot if like we continue to line up as we did on Saturday but we also potentially yeah. have Menendez coming in as well adding another right. winger and Miram I think the fire has already been lit underneath him if he wants to be playing this season so I don't know if it's just because of that but he certainly last season was a bit of a frustration for all of us at most, at, at a lot of times. But I mean, the last two games has been one of our most dangerous players. So i yeah. um, very happy with that. But we, I, not having Marcello Silva is an interesting one because like y- you mentioned that Justin mm-hmm. wasn't taking risks. Marcello Silva is also the person who's always taking risks moving <laughs> forward. And I hated to feel this way, but I was like, we could use some of like Marcello Silva's like weird, insane just runs mm-hmm. moving forward with the ball that like just create some space in the midfield where we didn't seem to have like, you know, much possession going up the middle where we were just swinging it back and forth. I felt like that was kind of needed, but I was very pleased with Eric Holt's um, defensive performance because, uh, yeah, I mean, the spotlight's on him. He's he wouldn't be a starter in most circumstances, and uh, yeah. here we are with <laughs> Eric Holt starting and well, still getting a and shutout. If
2: we've got if we've got Wood, let's say Menendez, and a center back all coming in yeah. pretty soon, um, your depth looks a lot better if you're bringing Holt and Miram and maybe Julio um, off the bench. You know, I think Rubine can play. Nine or winger. And I've heard he can even play the 10 if he absolutely needed to. Um, So you're going to have a lot of flexibility tactically, I think. And then and look, I like Michael Chang a lot. I like Justin Portillo a lot. Um, But maybe, you know, you don't want those guys to be 12 and 13. You want them to be 15 or 16 you know, coming off a bench in a certain, certain situation. Yep. Um, and I
0: thought the subs in this game were good. I, I, and I'm not just saying that because Ashton Morgan's one of my favorite players and I'm just, yeah, he was been great. So, I, I thought Ashton was really good. And like, if he would have scored that one where he got like, he got that through ball played to him and he was yeah. just like a few feet off from the keeper getting the ball. I, I I told these guys I would have d- done a swan dive out of the press box, just <laughs> in all my glory, and just well, would have survived. I, of course, his,
2: I think it might have been his rookie year in the league. It might have been his second year, but he had he had a couple really good seasons for Toronto, and they were a lot of fun to watch um, with him and and obviously last year with the covid and the and the visas and everything yeah, i think it was just a lost year for him uh, but he could be a really important uh, depth piece cuz who knows what's going to happen i i've always thought of aaron herrera as a left back because of where he played in the academy and where he played in college and where so if you want to you know be a little more attacking oriented and you put him on the left and put Brody on the right, you know, against certain teams. But then you've got Toya and Morgan is kind of, you just want that competition for every spot. Like we used to have with Russell and Winger and Beltran, you got three guys for two spots every week. And yeah, um, I don't know. I I know we need to get to, because obviously Rusnak and Ruiz were both frustrating on on the set pieces on Saturday (laughs) Uh, neither one of them could kind of find I guess the the delivery and that's I I'm, I'm of two minds on this because the final pass and the final shot were definitely not there um, as you guys and everybody has documented you know there was no shots on goal we didn't test you yeah. this. Yeah. and um I, but I, I did feel good about our possession and I did feel good about some of the opportunities that we were kind of creating. Like, like I said, uh, the caveat is the most important aspect of that is it was invisible uh, yeah. being did not get nearly enough touches. And honestly, I mean, where I noticed Albert, I I felt like he did good work to win the ball back in some attacking positions when, I don't know, Miriam or Julio or whoever had kind of given it away and vacated space. He was actually doing, in my opinion, some of the dirty work to win the ball back that I had not seen him do before. So that was kind of where, again, I'm looking, I'm looking at the world from, from my uh, rose colored glasses, I guess, but I, I felt like that was a sign of maturity from him and and maybe that's what you want your captain doing, especially if he doesn't have his best stuff uh, on service or whatever else. So that's my uh, feeble defense of, of Albert Rusnak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were of two minds about you know including the set pieces, like, like
2: yeah. Let's talk
3: about that for a second.
1: <laughs> I'm just I, I've been perplexed by yeah. Albert Rusnak's corner kicks for the last year and a half. <laughs> And I, I'm curious what your take is. Um, is he executing? I think he's some, is it, do you think that's all it is?
2: I, I do because honestly, like it, it might have been the day before the San Jose game. I I happened to go out to practice, and I watched Rusnak from roughly the center circle put a ball on Tony Beltran's chest. And Tony was sitting in the suite right below the press box. So that's a 65-yard ball that he literally just, in the spur of the moment, whipped it, and Tony didn't have to move. All he had to do is put his hands up and, and catch it so that it didn't you know, knock the wind out of him. So I know Albert's got... I think we all know that Albert has the ability to do that. And I think that's, what's so frustrating in a game situation is that he's, he's, he's hitting ground balls into the near post on a corner kick, or he's airmailing the entire penalty box. And, and then, you know, Pablo steps up after the first six and his, his uh, service wasn't much better. And I think that, yeah that was frustrating. Now, the fact that we, created six corner kicks and probably had another three or four free kicks in advanced positions. To me, that's encouraging. And look, if this stuff is happening in game 30 out of 34, as opposed to game four out of 34, I might not be so forgiving, but I guess I'm trying to remind myself it's here's, here's my mental gymnastics, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's cliche. I'm trying to like calm myself down, But then I look at schedule, okay, like we started the season basically with you know, you go on the road in Minnesota and then you got seven out of nine at home. And now we've dropped effectively dropped five points in our last two home games. And you can you can say that maybe these three dropped or mitigated by the three earned or in Minnesota or whatever, but you still gotta take advantage of your home games. And if if we can end up averaging two points per game at home, then you know, you you got to be competitive on the road. So that's that's the long view, but now there's pressure. There's pressure on the game in Dallas, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on the home game against Minnesota before that three-week break yeah. um, to get the full three points to kind of make up for missteps against San Jose and, uh, and Nashville.
0: Yeah, I mean, I... I said it like when the season started is that like, I feel for, for a lot of this season, I feel like we're kind of playing with with house money. We're we're in between, you know, ownership groups. I'm surprised we have, you know, uh, we're, we have signings at all. I was expecting this year to just be like an extension of kind of how tough things were last year. The fact that we've brought in a lot of good players and that we're planning on, yeah. you know, Two, three more here in the new f- near future is awesome, and so and like to Trevor's point earlier, I don't I don't know how much we can really take from that game. There was a lot of frustrations I th- that I had, but like nothing that really outweighed just. Um, the prospective optimism that I have about the rest of the season. I think we have a Mm. lot of good pieces. I, that game, like I, I didn't spare any words um, criticizing what I felt about like how our team was set up in the San Jose game towards the end of that game. And I didn't feel like our players were put in the best position to succeed by Mm. the coaching staff. I do not feel like that was the case. This game, I felt like the lineup by all accounts was what I expected to be all of our players in their best positions, Um, at this point, I think that could be argued for Albert Rusnak either way, because I think maybe at this point, Demir Krylock is more effective in the 10. Mm. And I think that just might be his position now. I, and that might be just how things are. And and he, he's one of our most dangerous attacking players and he might need to be in that position. Um, and I felt like the subs were good. I like putting in Ashton Morgan, who's a very offensive minded left back to try to get that win. I thought was a good move. Um, keeping rubia rubin on, on the field and putting in uh michael chang did douglas martinez get subbed on as well i think he did yeah, right he did, yeah. yeah yeah i mean i was i was i was i think that was just a matter of it didn't come together that game and i it's not worth freaking out about but i'm curious about your thoughts on albert rusnak and how he fits into the team and then especially with the, the prospect of you know, Bobby Wood being here in a few weeks, Menendez yeah. potentially coming in as well. I know we were already like I listened to I can't it was your episode with the RSL show before the season started. But it was like we were trying to figure out how we could get all these players on the field at the same time when we have sure. Bobby Wood, Rubio Rubin, Albert Rusnak, Demir Crylock, Everton, Luis, Pablo Ruiz. It's like, where do all these guys go on the field? So what do you think? What do you think we should do with Albert Rusnak right now?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, that's the
2: big question, right? So I was I was very surprised that Albert was named the captain, um, if only because he's going to miss a significant amount, chunk uh, with Slovakia. Now, some of that chunk is mitigated by uh, this kind of three-week break we have at the beginning of June. Um, but it's a big year for Albert, right? It's the last year of his contract. Um, he's... If there's going to be a market for him, it's going to be based on how he performs for Slovakia, where he does play on the wing. Um, But he's always kind of been the number 10 here. But as we've seen the last few years, you want Demir close to goal because he's so dangerous, either as a scorer or as a facilitator. And, you know, Everton's one of my favorite players. He's the the guy that we need protecting that back four. And covering space, if Pablo goes forward, or Demir goes forward, or Brody, or Herrera, or Toya go forward, you know he's got he's got to be the guy that kind of um, I don't know polices that that situation, and 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 he's definitely got the bite for it. So hopefully he's back when we resume in yeah. you know late June or whatever. And in my after opinion, I think
0: Pablo plays better with like a more defensive player like. Everton or even Nick Beesler next to him. And I felt like him and Demir were off in a lot of points where. <laughs> Cause they both want to get forward, I think. Yeah.
2: Right. And so there's probably that just little momentary, like, are you going, am I going, who's staying, what's going on, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, and maybe that doesn't hurt you as much against Nashville because they're already going to have 11 behind the ball mostly. Um, but it gets other teams that, split second of indecision could really, really hurt you, I guess. So I'm with you. Um, look, I I think we're going to find out a lot of questions about Albert. Like, does he want to be here? Because he is making good money. I don't know that he's going to get that money somewhere else unless he has a massive Euros. Um, I don't know if there's a market for Albert elsewhere in MLS, at least at that salary, either. Um, but if he decides he does want to be here long-term, then maybe he's willing to take a little bit less money for that security. And it's, you know, it's just an interesting time in his career because he's got this big international tournament. He's, he's about to be out of contract. I don't know that RSL can, you know, if somebody comes along and wants to sign him to a pre-contract, um, you know, the only way RSL would be able to really sell him is if somebody's insisting on having him in the summer window as opposed to waiting until the winter window. And so there's just so many moving pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, look, I think, I think we're a better team with Albert and with an engaged Albert and the, him wearing the captain's armband, I think certainly was a way, I think a very smart way by, by Freddie and, potentially Pablo or the front office, whoever's idea it was, I'm sure it was collaborative to keep him engaged because you're going to get the same Demir, whether he's wearing the armband right. or not. Right. We know, yep. we know what Demir brings every day. Demir's got a new deal. He's secure. He knows he's going to be here for at least a few more years. He's making great money. So he doesn't have some of the mental gymnastics or strain of, of Albert's situation and having an international tournament and, like you yep. said, he's he's just got married. He's got a young kid. He's got a young family. They're kind of. I think there's just a lot for him to figure out, both off the field, or well, off the field, that will probably determine how carefree and effective and productive he'll be on the field. So yeah, I don't know. I'm still a big Albert fan, and 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 I hope I hope it all gets sorted out. But you know, when he's gone, like we've talked about. Maybe if you get Everton back, you have Bobby Wood here. Uh, you keep Rubio up top. You move Demir into that playmaking position. Um, it, like you said earlier, like the front office, I think, has done a great job. And, and Rob and Tony have given Elliot a lot of credit for some of the Machinations or maneuvers he's he's worked yeah, with to be able to the have the money to sign
0: these players, to go I'm just get like, these
2: guys, and yeah, um, it's wild to me. You know, the Menendez deal is very, you know, if it gets done officially, it's going to remind me a lot of the Pablo deal. You know, young Argentine that you pay a pretty penny for, at least by, I mean, it's still crazy to me to see the economics of of what players are making now compared to what yeah. players were making ten years ago, and. Um, <laughs> You know, Nap Orchards was one of the best American defenders this league has ever seen. And I remember people at the league using his name as an example of, well, if we raise the salary cap, does that make Nap Orchards, does that turn him from a you know, eighty thousand dollar player into a hundred and twenty thousand dollar player? And it's like Gasp. But you know, people spend two hundred thousand dollars on a you know, then on a foreign defender who is half the player that Nap Orchards was. So it it is perception, and that's a whole nother conversation about uh, mm-hmm. the pathway for American players in this league. Yep. And and now, I mean, while I'm talking about this and thinking about it, like it's crazy. This college final four out of the starting elevens from the four teams: Indiana, Pitt, Marshall, and Indiana. Forty one of the forty four were foreign, and that's because all the young American talent is going to academy, and they're not. They're not They're not playing in the NCAA. So that's just yeah. kind of a fascinating tidbit to me about where things are going. But then when you think about the economics of this league and the salary cap and how teams are using their budgets, I mean, it's crazy that FC Cincinnati has like the fifth highest payroll. <clears throat> yeah. And they've spent a lot of money on players that just haven't performed. It happened to Minnesota their first few years in the league as well. And obviously RSL because of our situation, I mean you're getting a four million dollar player in Bobby Wood for I don't know eight hundred grand. You've got Rubio Rubin for a base I, we, of one thirty five and bonuses one fifty four. It
0: pains me. It almost pains me to talk about how. It, like, I feel bad how like how how cheap we've gotten Rubio Rubin for. I mean, I know eventually when the time comes, we're probably going to sell him for quite a bit of money. But it's well, like
2: and he may decide, hey, this is the most stable I've been. I'm performing and, yeah. you know, pay me 600 grand a year and I can play for the national team again. Or I, I you know, who knows yeah. where it's going to go. So, um Everybody's yeah. got different motivations, and everybody's situation is different. Yeah, we'll it is see. interesting that that
0: yeah. Albert really is like the question of this season at this point. And a few things I noticed on Saturday was, I, I, I've always thought Albert is honestly really good at, like you said, like winning the ball back in certain situations and dropping back with the ball and making mm-hmm. like long passes or like very like, like some of his most like impressive moments to me have not been in the attacking area for the last couple of seasons. Like, mm. and I think some of those moments have come from him on the wing. I'm not sure, but I think that when he was doing that on Saturday with Demir also being like a, you know defensive midfielder there just wasn't enough guys in front of yeah. him when he would come back with the ball a bit like just out of i mean out of habit but it's something he's good at and something that he's done effectively on the wing and i we just haven't seen much from him attacking wise i did before the game say this was going to be uh, we're gonna see Albert's first goal. So I am I'm, I'm yeah. sorry for saying that, Matt, because I was wrong. <laughs> I'll accept my lashings. I mean, oh, I, I
2: guess part of it, <laughs> and I didn't really think about this while watching the game the other night. I'm just thinking about it hearing you guys talk, is I think everybody's still trying to figure out how to play with, with Julio and with with Rubin. And yeah. and maybe it was an adjustment for Albert as much as it probably doesn't make sense, but for him to kind of be back in that in that central role. And I think he's very conscious of it because you know, it was a talking point with the media in the middle of yeah. last week about the how few touches he had gotten playing out on the wing and all that stuff. So I, I don't know. I think he was pressing. And so that's maybe where some of his uh, service and other stuff failed him, Matt. But I, I don't know. That's just my perception i don't know i haven't talked to anybody i don't know anything that's just kind of what i felt watching the game.
0: <laughs> yeah we don't either we just
2: <laughs> we just talk to each
0: other and enforce each other's opinions and yeah, but it's
2: I, like, at the end of the day like i was pretty encouraged and maybe i don't know like i said it sucks to drop points at home um but i just feel like with with the talent that we saw the reinforcements we think we have coming The you know, the you know, we still have the fourth highest points per game in the west, the sixth highest points per game in the league, which is kind of incredible to me, right? But after the last two results, you know, because I'm greedy and I want three points every game, but um, I just think you know, what I hear from people over there is that the vibe is really good and everybody's positive, everybody's fighting for each other. And that seems like that that's been missing for a long, long time. And, and yeah, I mean the volatile the volatility of the locker room, the last two years of Kassar, the two plus years of Pecky, and really probably Freddie's first two years. Um, for various reasons that were both in and out of those head coaches' control, um, it seems like all that is kind of dissipated, and now you've really got a group um, that is aligned from the players to the coaches, the front office. And, um, you know, hopefully that's just the foundation of, of whatever success we're able to have this year.
1: Sounds good to me. That's the rosy (laughs) I mean, yeah. I think you said, yeah,
0: <laughs> you said it well that the vibes are just good like i yeah. i wasn't i wasn't particularly encouraged by this game i'm encouraged by the general trajectory of like how things yeah. have been going um but just i'm telling you guys the vibes are good and and it's hard to like i i <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of people who were you know watching this game uh or like in the in the rsl ward slack who were experience mm-hmm. who were sharing a lot of like a a lot of strong opinions and a lot of frustration about what was taking place in the game. I'm sure that was probably a really not fun game to watch on TV. But I was seriously just like the vibes were so good. Like I had great tacos before the game. I just went in there (laughs) feeling excellent. I was just got to see all my friends and everything was great. So the vibes were so good. And that like the team's vibes are also good that I was just like, yeah, this sucks. This game was really boring. in my opinion wasn't great whatever <laughs> like i'm so well, that's, to be back a, that's a good a, point because i yeah. i may
2: not have enjoyed the game as much if i had been watching on tv instead of yeah, being in the i don't building. think i would have either honestly and, but honestly i think part of the reason i did feel somewhat <laughs> positive at least comparatively um to all my friends on twitter about this game is that i thought the second half against san jose was awful and I, th- yeah. I thought it was like yeah. watching paint dry, and then the last seven minutes, the paint literally peels itself off the wall set, and poisons set on you. Fire. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it was just by a relative <laughs> contrast that I um, thought there was a lot to build on
1: in the national. Yeah. Little steps, right? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe that steps. was our
3: problem this game, Matt. Was we were watching the game rather than. Be, During, dude, if you doing? If you're doing else?
1: Yeah, I had like I had crackers and salami for dinner. I should have had tacos.
3: You guys, yeah,
0: okay really next sure. time before the game, we're hitting that <laughs> yeah. La taco taco truck at the in, in the Napa parking lot down the street. Yeah. We're doing that. We're all riding together. We're going to the stadium. We're, we roll in there super deep. We you, you <laughs> go hang out in the South End for a little bit. Hang out with, with you know, Colin, Sarah, Andy Larson, the the South End crew you know sing around sing for a little bit you know walk around some more hang out on the north end maybe for a few take some more pictures you know you can borrow my camera it'll be fun and then uh, we'll go back up (laughs) in the press box and enjoy the rest of our evening there together that's that's the way you should enjoy the game with me next time because that's what i was doing and i was just i was having a great time
3: (laughs) we'll pay more attention to the atmosphere around the game than the game probably enjoyed yeah, my that exactly way. <laughs> it sounded up in the press no, box like can't.
0: it sounded great up there it was loud like yeah. the stadium was loud yeah. it was like man this is awesome like it's. it's I, been a while since i've felt like this
3: not used to it i don't yeah. know if we're gonna be able to do that because minnesota's coming to town as the next home game <laughs> what's wrong with that <laughs> that game is just gonna be i, I mean if it's, it's an, an extension one. of the first game that we played with them the vibes oh. are going to be yeah. Intense. the the, uh, the
2: media that cover Minnesota are turning on on Adrian Heath because he's oh, getting yeah. pissy about the <laughs> yeah. substitution questions and uh, my good friend Bruce McGuire Dunord who used to have yeah. the best weekly newsletter in MLS um, was I think it was tonight on Twitter on Monday night he was tweeting about how. Just because Adrian has a British accent doesn't mean he's... God's gift to the game, you know. So that he's
0: like inherently smarter about the game. Like to, like he gets critical questions about his substitution pattern or not playing some of these y- young guys who are incredibly promising over some older players who aren't producing, and he's just like, "You Americans don't know this," or like, "You Americans <laughs> are obsessed with substitute." It's like, what? <laughs> like, come on, dude. With someone with his track record in MLS, it's like you got to be a little bit more humble than that. Um, yeah, that it's. And that well, is interesting. So maybe Minnesota thing. fans are going to want them to lose. So yeah. Heath get, ends <laughs> up getting fired at this point.
2: I got to I gotta get one of those Wasatch Legion Achoa uh, is my Wonderwall shirts for that game. Oh, oh, and
0: the Oasis font too.
2: It's great stuff. I think Trevor <laughs> needs one because he, apparently he takes his shirt off in the press box when we score goals, right? Didn't I <laughs> – didn't I try to start that rumor on Twitter? So. Think, uh, <laughs> Didn't Wait, you say you broke one of the rules? Yeah, he said he, uh, he broke the rule of the press box. I said, took your shirt off? <laughs> I, almost, uh,
3: I almost jumped up and started yelling. And
0: the uh, rule was cheering that he was – Yeah. Yeah, which is not a rule that – I mean, come on. There's With no, that bicycle there's nothing posted that,
3: There's nothing posted. I know. Anywhere, So <laughs> Right. I didn't and like crap, half the I people in that cool. area
0: are like RSL media folks anyway that like work for the
3: club. So yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. So I'll take yeah. my shirt off uh, against Minnesota. <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs> Is that what we just
3: decided? <laughs> yes. <As long>
2: <laughs> as <laughs> as only if, <laughs> if choa pulls a an Allison and scores in the 90th <laughs> So yeah, that's fair. Dude, I we're, was watching that. we streaking let's see, if that happens. Yeah. I... I
0: I can't believe that happened. I can't I can't believe it.
2: <laughs> Although let me just tell you real quick, Ochoa may end up missing that game. Oh yeah. Because uh, he'll be with the national team. Oh yeah. But the rumor is, is if he misses that game, then he doesn't go to the gold cup and then RSL gets to keep him so he doesn't miss six games during the gold cup. So not that a bad trade. That would off. be preferable. Yeah. In so he still opinion. gets the experience of a European trip with the national team Yeah, that without sounds great. Uh, missing 20% of RSL season. Yeah. Yep. All that right, would so be we, preferable. We've have,
1: we have kept you for over an hour here. Yeah, And we probably don't need to pull another hour and 45 minutes podcast. <laughs> um, but I do have one question I want to close this out on. We could talk about the next game, but it's a game we It'll I, happen. I can we give you the, the quick
3: preview real quick. Okay. I mean, what uh, is it? Dallas sucks. They've only won one game and that was against like the worst Portland team. Portland has put out in several years. That sounds great. They're pretty bad. So we might yeah. win. So we should win.
1: All right. Yeah. We got to win that one. Here's the question, Trey.
3: This is a
0: must win.
1: Uh, if you were to take one player from 2005 for real salt lake and plug them into this 2021 lineup,
2: who would it be? Oh wow, that's a good question. Um, From probably Eddie Pope. You said.
0: Oh, probably Eddie Pope. That's the, said, man, the, right the right answer. There's, there's <laughs> several the answers, answer. but I think that's the right one. I oh, man, mean, Eddie Pope was so cool. I mean,
2: I, I'm sure my 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 good buddies uh, Brian Dunseth and Jason Christ would love to just play one game in Rio Tinto Stadium. Oh yeah, but. Eddie Pope's the one that could probably most positively impact this lineup. You put him next to Justin Glad, have him do what, what Natum wanted to do, which was to get Glad back to the national team in front of a Um, I think that would be my, my call. Luke yeah, Kramelmeier but- would be my second choice, but you know,
0: <laughs> just man, kidding. Man. What's Eddie Pope <laughs> up to these days? I, so I really like that. He guy. was
2: working with Octagon. um, <laughs> No, I think that's where he is now. He was working okay, with, with the players union, union for, yeah, and now Bro. I think he's he's part of the soccer agency group inside of Octagon. But I think Man. he's more on the like player relations side than on the
1: uh, wheeling and dealing agent side. He's the director of North American soccer division. Nice.
0: Okay. I really. Man, that, that that would be that'd be so great if we had if we had I mean he's forty seven now, which is pretty wild to think about. <laughs> um but man, if we had prime Eddie Pope on this team. That'd be <sighs> uh that'd be a pretty good spine. That would be a very good spine. Man.
1: All right, well, I think we should end this thing and Trey, thanks yeah, for joining us. Thanks it's guys. This was
2: fun. I'm I'm yeah, always man. around, um, so
1: Anytime Before, you want to
2: have me. Yeah,
0: everyone who is listening to this should listen to Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. This is Trey's podcast, and it's a great podcast. And they have, they have real guests on Not Like <laughs> Trey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just kidding.
0: Trey gets... Who's the last guest you had? Do you have Javi on most Javier recently? Javi Morales,
2: yeah. That was, was a great episode. It was... Thank you. It was part of uh, something I had done with Spencer Checkets and Dunny on the the history of RSL, but we were able to pull the hobby interview out and do it as a standalone on Claret and Cobalt. So we try to have a wide range. We've had fans on, um, at some point this year, I'm sure we'll have you guys on. Uh, we've had some, some different people from around the club, around the league, around the media landscape to kind of just get their thoughts on, um, you know, what, what we have here. And I think the reason probably a lot like you guys that I started the Claret and Cobalt podcast is just to remind, um, people not just in Utah, but in the soccer community, how good we have it here. We've got incredible infrastructure. We've got great relevance. We've got a great fan base that just, you know, we need to been through some tough times over the last six, nine, 12, 24 months, whatever. And, um, (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> I, thought, just you were, need I to, thought you were
3: going uh, for years there. Sorry. <laughs>
0: well, I no, mean, but like, I, I think that's a great point. Like you, certainly um, can. like you said, the reason we all do this, the reason why we get mad or get really happy or whatever is, just, I mean, we all care very deeply about this club and I think you've been somebody that embodies that. And so when, when you first left, rsl i think that was a hard moment for all of us so to see you back in utah is really great and to see you doing rsl sphere stuff is really great and so thank you yeah and uh the more people that are creating like rsl content for people to listen to read watch whatever the better because we i want as many people to know that there's like people who are willing to dedicate time and energy i mean we don't we, we do this for free it's not like we're this isn't this isn't or my full-time job, oddly enough. But, like, I mean, we all just care so deeply about it. And so the more people that are aware of that that there's just, like, this incredibly loving, caring core for this club, I mean, the stronger it'll be in the future, especially in this period where we can all build something together better uh, in the near future when we, you know, have the full runway ahead of us with the new, new ownership and everything. But Yeah, anyway. no,
2: that's well said. That's why we're all trying to engage with each other and, and bring new fans into the, into the stadium, into the TV broadcast, whatever. And, um, and there's a lot of great stories from our history that, that I think, uh, will inform our future. So the more, the merrier. That's right. Well, thanks wow. guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks again. so much,
0: Trey. Thanks, Trey. All right. Talk Good soon. Night, Good night, guys.